What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Sorry for uh, getting kind of dark and sinister in the intro to last, not last week, I guess Mondays or Tuesdays. I don't know what fucking day it is anymore. The last time I recorded my intro was a little bit dark. And I'm sorry that (laughs) honestly, honestly, it even freaked me out a little bit because I was like, who the fuck is this um, serial killer talking to you on a microphone? Today's episode, um, clearly you can tell I'm like in a little bit of a better mood. I had a great breakfast, a great night's sleep. I have a little bit of a headache. I'm getting my period soon. So, ugh. but today's episode is all about Overcoming codependency, whether you're single or in a relationship. And this is coming from a person, me, who has been called codependent and needy and clingy by friends and ex-boyfriends. And even my current husband has called me out on this sort of past behavior and past problem. So if a person like me can become more independent and learn how to do things on her own and find the value and importance of dating yourself, going on adventures by yourself, treating yourself to some wine or some donuts or to like a matinee. If I can do it, anyone can do it. But before we get into that, I want to start maybe not every episode, but some episodes kind of telling you what's going on in my newsletter, just so you can, you know, if you feel like reading, maybe a podcast isn't your preferred form of content. If you're a reader, if you find yourself wanting to read in the bath or like before bed, you can go to my newsletter and find more content there. Two articles I want to highlight. Number one is an article titled Nesting and Home Decorating Gone Wrong. This is a roundup of the worst, most expensive home decorating mistakes I have made since becoming a homeowner. And the second article is titled Being an Adult is Too Hard Right Now, which I think all of us can agree that uh Being a 20-something, 30-something, 40-something-year-old living with this economy and the politics and Roe versus Wade, like, there's a lot of traumatic shit going on in the world right now. And when being an adult is too damn hard, I have listed some ways that I am reverting to my childhood, which was a very happy, nostalgic time. I'm painting, I'm playing Pokemon, I'm playing Animal Crossing, just these really, like, lighthearted easy breezy activities that can kind of distract you from the difficulties and challenges and traumas of being an adult. And that's what's going on in the newsletter. You can find it on Substack at Sophie Radvan. So with that done and dusted, let's move on to overcoming codependency. And the best place to start is at the beginning. So I've always been, as I've said, I've always been a clingy, needy, stage five clinger of a girlfriend. And even like I can remember times when I never wanted to do anything alone, like even the simplest tasks, like going to the bathroom at a restaurant, I would feel uncomfortable just getting up from the table by myself as a singular person and going to the restroom. Like I felt like it was rude. I felt like I would disrupt the flow of the table's conversation. And I always like elbowed or like gently nudged the person sitting next to me like, hey, like I have to go to the bathroom. Don't you have to go to the bathroom? And sometimes that person would say no. And I would just like give them this look, like give them the fucking look like we have to pee together. Like we have to pee together. Girlfriends do everything together. I had a best friend in high school. Her name was Nina. And guys hated us because 
they felt like the other one was always a cock block. Like if a guy wanted to hook up with me, he would have to get past Nina first. And if someone wanted to hook up with Nina, they would have to get past me first. And that was always like a challenge because we were always together. We were doing shots together. We were peeing together. We were dancing together. And guys could never just like separate us to, you know, make their move. So guys would always joke that like, Nina and I were like a package deal and they could never separate us and that we were like joined at the hip. I also had a friend in high school. Her name is Julie. There was a rumor going around that Julie and I were a romantic couple, which is no big deal. Like even if that was true, who the fuck cares? But in high school, like everything is a bigger deal, right? It's a big deal if you're gay. It's a big deal if you like a certain band. It's a big deal if you wear certain clothes. Like everything's a big deal. Everything's drama. Everything's a rumor. Everything's on fire in high school. So there was a rumor that Julie and I were romantically involved and like lesbians and you know had romantic feelings for each other because we spent so much time together we would have a sleep one time one time julie lived at my house for about a week my parents were on vacation in miami and at this point i was old enough to stay by myself and um, my parents like you know trusted me, which I don't know if they should have, but they did. And instead of just living alone, I invited Julie to literally live with me. And we did all the things that like a married couple does. We, we, we went grocery shopping together. We went on long walks together. We would sit on my balcony and like drink alcohol and drink sodas together, just like staring off into the sunset on the horizon. So I'm really not surprised that people thought that we were romantically involved. That's just how I've always been. I've always clung to one particular person at a time. You could say this has to do with me being a cancer. I am a cancer baby. June 24th is my birthday. Cancers, you think about the crab, you think about our little pinchers. Crabs are naturally clingy. We like to grab on and hold on for dear life. And I think the biggest um, eye opener for me in this clingy behavior like it's a listen it's one thing to love deeply and love so strongly and want to devote so much time to one person that can be lovely and that can be like such a devotion and commitment of love but there is a limit and I think I reached that limit and had to kind of look at myself and be like okay sister like you've got a problem and you need you need to work on yourself right it's getting a little bit extreme at this point It was when I was living in L.A. and I was dating my now husband. We had tickets or I I should say I paid for tickets to see the band Hot Chip at the Greek theater. And if you aren't familiar, it's like a very famous old school classic uh, music concert venue in L.A. It's like an experience to see a show at the Greek theater. And an hour before the show... My husband says that he's like not feeling well. He's tired. He had a shitty day at work. Is there anyone else that I can go to the concert with? And my reaction was I became infuriated. I was so mad that I stormed out of my own bedroom and my own house. I remember it clear as day. My husband is lying on my bed and he's playing around on his phone and he's like, hey, like, ugh, I know we have this concert, but I really don't feel like going. Can you ask Lauren, who was like my closest friend in LA at the time? And I was like, 
no, like, I don't want to fucking ask Lauren because it's so rude of you to spring this on me so out of the blue. And I stormed out of the house and I just went for a drive. I was so fucking mad that I couldn't put words together. I stormed down the stairs, slammed the door behind me and went for a drive to clear my head and to cool off. Now, in retrospect, it's easy to say like what I should have done and what I could have done. But in reality, the truth is that I was just way too codependent on my husband to even consider inviting someone else or going alone, right? Like I was way too stuck on my husband being the only source of joy, of company, of a good time that I, that my, my brain didn't even consider alternative options. So I just sat in my car, raging furious. And then my husband texted me like, okay, I'm sorry. I realize it's like rude to cancel plans last minute. Let's go to the concert. And we showed up late and we missed like half of my favorite fucking songs. The night wasn't totally ruined. We still managed to have a good time. But in the back of my head, I was like, this is the eye opener I need because people are going to let you down and people are going to change their minds and people are going to say to you, like, I actually don't want to do this thing that I said I was going to do. I'm allowed to change my mind. And yes, you are allowed to. But if you could just not do it an hour before we're supposed to be somewhere, that was great. So after that concert experience, I started to hang out with my friend Lauren more and more, but I wasn't truly independent yet. I just kind of jumped ship to depending on my husband to now depending on my girlfriend Lauren for a good time. Nothing really changed as long as I lived in LA because I always had a backup. So if my husband couldn't do something, I would begrudgingly begrudgingly go to Lauren. If Lauren couldn't do something, I would begrudgingly go to this friend and this friend and this friend. But it was always with this like bitter and sour and angry taste in my mouth. I never liked considering considering the alternative option. However, everything did finally changed when we left LA and we ended up in Minnesota. I moved here not knowing anyone just my husband, which naturally sets up a codependent experience. When you move to a new city and you don't know a single person except your romantic partner, that just naturally makes you codependent on each other because like, who the fuck else are you going to talk to? I ended up meeting one friend at a dog park and she's, you know, I'm not scared to admit this. She is quite literally my only friend in Minnesota. But... I actually, this is, this is the push I needed. And this was like the, the catalyst to becoming a more independent person. So I'm in Minnesota. I have my husband and I have this one friend, Amy. I'm sitting on the couch at home and I get the strongest craving for sushi. And this happens like every few months or so that I will crave sushi or crave happy hour oysters with like a glass of wine and maybe a little amuse-bouche. My friend Amy does not like oysters and she does not like seafood. My husband does not like oysters and does not like seafood. So I'm sitting on the couch with this unimaginable craving and I'm weighing my options, right? I'm having a conversation with myself like, what the fuck do I do? I can't ignore this craving because it is so strong. I can't just look past it, nor should I have to. And I don't, and I know that 
my friend Amy's not going to want to go and my husband's not going to want to go. So am I just like never going to eat sushi for as long as I live in Minnesota because no one will go with me? Am I just going to miss out on life because I constantly need someone by my side? And the thought of like never eating sushi again simply because no one would go with me, that scared me more than going alone. Like I would rather eat sushi alone, feeling like maybe a little bit awkward, maybe a little bit uncomfortable, but I would rather do that than just never eat sushi again. And boom, like that was the first click in a long process of saying like, okay, I am now in a mindset where I would rather go alone than not go at all. And that's exactly what I did. I went that same day, got in my car, drove to downtown Minneapolis where they had a conveyor belt, Oh, conveyor belt sushi. There is something about sushi sitting on a conveyor belt that just tastes 10 times better than sitting down at an actual restaurant. I drove to this conveyor belt place by myself and it was like, um, have you guys seen that the sequel to Meet the Parents? It's called Meet the Fockers. And in that opening sequence, everything was everything's going really well. Like they are on time to the airport because every traffic light was green and there was no traffic and they like coincidentally get bumped up to first class. Like everything is smooth sailing for the first minute of the movie. That was me driving to the sushi place. I There was no traffic. Every traffic light was green. I got free parking. I also parked right in front of the restaurant. I didn't have to walk anywhere. It was like boom, 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 door to door, first class service. It was like the heavens opened up and the Red Sea parted. And it was like the universe was saying like, Sophie, we welcome you to this independent lifestyle and we welcome you to the sushi restaurant. Have a good time. The world is not nearly as scary when you do it alone as you originally thought. But just in case, just in case I felt uncomfortable or needed to like stay busy or distract myself from the fact that I was eating alone. And I used to think that eating alone was like the saddest human experience. I would look as a youngster in like my early 20s and teens, I would look at people at like Starbucks or any restaurant or like TGI Fridays, wherever, any place you get food or beverages, I would look at people sitting alone and think like, think to myself, like, wow, you're a really sad, lonely individual. Like, do you have any friends? Why are you here by yourself if you're like such a lovely social butterfly? And now I quite literally think the exact opposite. I think people who have lunch alone or just do anything alone are just like independent fucking rock stars who realize like life is perfectly enjoyable by yourself. And sometimes you actually prefer your own company than the chit chat and noise of bringing other people. But just in case I felt awkward at that sushi place, I brought a notebook, a pen, a book to read, and I had a podcast all queued up At the restaurant, I texted my husband, like, guess what I'm doing? Because I knew he would never in a million years guess that I was doing something without him. So, of course, he responds like, you know, like, haha, like watching TV on the couch at home. And I was like, no, (laughs) how dare you? No. And I texted him a photo of my sushi. 
And he responded like so cute. He was like, oh, yes, like, I know you've been craving sushi for weeks now. I'm so glad that you went and got it. And I'm also so proud of you for going alone. And I was like, thank you. And I responded back. I was like, I know. Who the fuck am I? I am becoming a new person and a person that I really enjoy. Like, I really like this person who can sit here alone with pride, with a delicious plate of food, without feeling insecure, without feeling lonely. I had such a good time at the sushi restaurant that I, that again, like that was almost the second catalyst. Here's my one piece of advice. All it takes is one outing. It takes one trip to make you realize that all that anxiety and fear and nervousness in your brain is lies. It's bullshit. It's just your anxiety speaking. It's your insecurity speaking. And once you prove to yourself that you can drive to your destination and enjoy your food and experience life as an individual, if you can do that once and prove to yourself that nothing scary, nothing bad will happen, that gives you the courage to do it again and again and again. And I think Codependency has to do at least partly with social anxiety. I have definitely experienced social anxiety before in my life. I distinctly remember a dinner. This is back in LA with my friend Lauren, who I mentioned. Lauren invited me. So Lauren's Australian. And a bunch of her Australian friends were coming to LA for dinner. And she was like, Sophie, I would love for you to meet my high school friends. And I was like, yeah, totally thinking that everything would be fine because I didn't really know that I had social anxiety at that point. I get to the dinner and there's about like 10 of her friends. I'm not talking like a small intimate group. I'm talking like 10, 15 people at this long ass rectangular table. I'm on one end with Lauren and all her friends are like down the line. And I think I said five words in total at that dinner. I said hello to everybody. I introduced myself. And then I was silent. I don't know what came over me. And Lauren doesn't know what came over me. She leaned over and it's like, hey, are you okay? Like you're strangely quiet. And I was like, yeah, um, honestly, I don't fucking know. I just don't feel like speaking. I don't feel confident enough to like share a story or I don't even feel comfortable like interjecting because you all know each other from high school and you all have these really deep and personal inside jokes. And I feel like an outsider, like looking in, I feel like an observer. And we had plans after dinner to go out drinking and party. And I told Lauren, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm just not interested in doing that. I would so much rather be at home just chilling by myself. And she was like, yeah, 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 no problem. But that was the first instance where I was like, wait, maybe I'm not totally comfortable laughing and sharing and talking at in big groups. I thrive in like a twosome, threesome, foursome. But once it becomes five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people, I shut down. I am not interested in like competing for the world's funniest story. I'm not interested in having the loudest voice. I'm not interested in like small talk because the more people involved, the more small talk and breaking of the ice is involved. And I'm just like not into it. Right. So I thrive in smaller groups and um I also thrive in like more small, intimate settings, which a restaurant 
isn't always like that. Restaurants can be insanely crowded. And if it's a place you've never been before, you're nervous about the drive. You're nervous about getting lost on the freeway. Oh my God, what if I take the wrong exit? Oh my God, what if I miss like a parking space? What if I have to parallel park on like a super busy two-way street? This is part of social anxiety. It's anxiety around the actual trip to your destination and it's anxiety around the destination itself. So to combat that and kind of relieve my social anxiety, I always map out the route on Google Maps the day before. I always type in my destination and I look at Google Maps and I actually look at like taking the surface streets if that would be easier for me. Maybe it takes more time, but you don't have to drive 60, 70 miles per hour on the freeway, which does sometimes scare me. Sometimes like these really intense four lane freeways where the speed limit is like fucking 80, those really intimidate me and I try to avoid them at all costs. I do not mind taking the surface streets, even if it takes 20 minutes longer. So I will always map out the route, the freeway option and the side street option. And I will always, if it's a restaurant, I will always look at the menu beforehand on Yelp or Google Ma- or Google Images or the actual uh, restaurant's website, just so I know like what I'm feeling. Because I, I hate getting to a restaurant that I've never been to and the menu is like seven pages long. I'm thinking like Cheesecake Factory. Remember the last time you went to Cheesecake Factory? That menu, I swear to God, is like the length of a dictionary. It's like a hundred fucking pages. And then I get social anxiety around the waitress because she'll come to your table and say like, are you ready to order? And the first time you say not yet, it's it's fine. The, the waitress is like, oh, is okay, I'll give you a minute. But the second time the waitress comes, if you do not have your food picked out, you're you're wasting her time. And like, you are now being an annoying customer. That's how I feel. That's what my anxiety says to me. So by the time the waitress comes back for the second time, if I am still looking at page six of a 10 page menu, I start to panic and I will generally order something that I don't even want. I'll just pick something on the page that I'm looking at and I'll be like, why the fuck did I do that? Like, I don't feel like eating a cheese cheese steak or I don't feel like eating a margarita pizza. I wanted something more... I wanted to try something new. I wanted to like push my palate and expand my food horizons. And I didn't do that because I got so panicked by the waitress's presence that I just like, you know, said the first food that came that I saw on the menu. So those are my two tips. Always plan out the route and always look at the menu beforehand. And now I can confidently say so that sushi date that really opened my eyes to like what a pleasant experience eating by yourself can be. That was probably a year ago. And the positive reaction from my husband and the positive experience and like the easy parking pushed me to want to do this again and again and again. And now at least twice a month, sorry, I'm like tying my hair in a ponytail. It is so fucking humid today. I'm like sweating in my own house. Huh. Now I have what I call bucket list days, dates twice a month, every other week. I will go through my Minnesota bucket list and I will pick something to do by myself. And I'm lucky to be, you know, self-employed and work from home and an independent contractor that I am free to dictate my own schedule and my own hours, which gives me the ability to to say, like, today I want to go 
to a secondhand bookstore or today I want to go to the zoo or today I want to go to the aquarium or today I want to go to the dog park. Like I am in a position where I can choose to do that at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. My husband has a very like traditional job where he's nine to five at a desk and he cannot. Actually, that was another thing that really turned the tide for me. It was having such a different schedule and work situation for my husband. I have the freedom to go do cool, fun shit in the middle of the day. My husband does not. And the majority of my friends do not. They also have more traditional jobs. So here I am with this freedom and this blessing on my lap. And I'm just ignoring it because no one can come with me. So if you're in a position where you and your romantic partner or your best friend or your roommate and you have totally opposite schedules, try to see it as more of like a blessing in disguise or almost a silver lining. Like, yeah, you can't do this shit together, but you can do this shit by yourself. And then you're going to have a really fun story to tell your partner or your friend when they come home. Like, how cool is it for, for your partner to ask you like, oh, what'd you do today? Did you have a good day? And how fun... Would it be if you would say like, hey, like I went to the aquarium today and your friend would be like, cool, like show me pictures. How was it? Let's talk about it. It's a conversation starter. It's a way for you and your friends and your loved ones to get closer and to bond and to communicate and to laugh and to share. It just makes such a fucking cool story when my husband comes home and is like, hey, what'd you do today? Because he knows that I'm capable of doing shit by myself and he knows that my schedule allows for it. So it's like he almost expects me to have some cool story. It's almost like when I say I did nothing today because I was lazy, I was bored, it was raining, whatever. I was like, oh, I did nothing. My husband's like, oh, you did nothing. Like it's doing nothing has become more rare than me doing something without him. Nine times out of 10, I'll be like, oh, I actually went to this breakfast spot and then I went on a hike and then I went and checked out this new gym and he's like, cool, cool, cool. I was just at my fucking desk all day, you bitch. And, you know, he's like a little bit jealous, but at the same time, like he's happy that I'm living my life and I'm not lonely. That was something that was really like bothersome to my husband is that he felt like a dick whenever he had to work late or whenever he had to work on a holiday, because that meant that me reluctantly not wanting to be without him meant that I would be lonely. If he if my husband had to work on like New Year's Day or New Year's Eve, that meant that I would be alone on New Year's Eve, missing him and maybe like holding onto some resentment because he had to work. And now that's completely eliminated. Now, if he does have to work on a holiday, he knows that I'll be just fine on my own at home. I'll be just fine on my own at a restaurant. I'll be just fine on my own anywhere I choose to go on that day because it's a holiday and I got the time. You know what I'm saying? My bucket list does not only involve like restaurants, it's dog parks, bookstores, thrift shops, small towns. I I love where I live in the state of Minnesota because there are so many cute small towns. I mentioned the town of Stillwater in my birthday episode. That's like a 20 minute drive. I can easily drive to these cute little nostalgic small towns for the day and then be back before my husband gets home. And when he does get home, I have a dope ass story prepared for him. And that kind of like makes us bond over our day and just makes us closer. If you are interested in building your own bucket list, which I highly recommend, it doesn't matter 
if you've been in your city for one week, one month, or 20 years. Like you can still find fun and interesting interesting and new things to do in your city. Here's what I do. I'll go on Instagram and I'll type in like Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I'll search under the geo tag, under locations. So every po- photo that someone shares that they tag as Minneapolis, Minnesota shows up on that page. And usually when people do this, they're doing cool shit. They're trying a new restaurant. They're walking like this amazing hiking trail. There's a bridge in Minneapolis called the Stone Arch Bridge. It is a pedestrian only bridge. So you can like bike or rollerblade or walk, but no motorized vehicles. And this bridge shows you maybe one of the best views of downtown Minneapolis anywhere in the city. It is a gorgeous bridge, gorgeous views, gorgeous photos. And those photos end up on Instagram. And that's how I find them. And then I will hit the save button and I will literally make a folder called bucket list. (laughs) I was like, what did I fucking save it as? It's called bucket list. Um, Or I will do like hashtag Minneapolis, hashtag St. Paul, Minnesota, hashtag Minnesota, hashtag Minnesota restaurants, hashtag Minnesota bars. Hashtags are going to show you a lot of cool shit in your city and just save them and then make a folder. Let me open my bucket list right now. Let me just show you what the top three are. Saved. Bucket list. I'm going to just I'm going to read you the top three posts that I have saved or the top or the three most recent ones. So number one is a restaurant or it's more like a coffee shop and a cafe called the Lynn Hall. And it is a photo of a pistachio filled croissant, a chocolate filled croissant, a little muffin and a little scone with a coffee. This is not my photo, by the way. I literally just save strangers taking cool photos of shit they're eating around the city. The second one is a blueberry bush called, uh, fuck, called the Blueberry Fields of Stillwater. We know about Stillwater. I've talked about it before. So in this small town, there is a blueberry field that's open from like June to August, only the summer where you can pick fresh blueberries. And I have that saved because I would love to pick my own fucking blueberries one of these days. And the third photo is uh, ice cream. It looks like a birthday cake flavored ice cream. It has a bunch of colorful sprinkles and a bunch of like colorful birthday cake batter. And it is an ice cream shop called Dream Creamery in Northeast Minneapolis, which is a very like hipster arts district, graffiti, local breweries, you know, very hipster, very Silver Lake vibes of LA, except here in Minneapolis. So those are my top three. Got some croissants at a coffee shop, got some goddamn blueberry bushes in Stillwater, and I got some ice cream in the Northeast Hipster District. And those are just three of the things on my bucket list that I am planning to do by myself. And you know what? This is how I'm going to end this episode. This is how confident and secure I am doing things by myself. This was the ultimate test, right? So I told you about the Hot Chip concert and how my husband had an attitude that day and like didn't want to go and it pissed me the fuck off. So having that experience, having that notch on my belt and a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, we have a Rammstein concert, okay? I fucking love Rammstein. Give me some new metal, heavy German 
badass fucking music. We have that concert that has been postponed twice because of COVID. It was supposed to happen in 2020. Then it was supposed to happen 2021. And now it is finally happening. Okay, I don't want to jinx it. I just knocked on wood to like make sure that this shit happens. The Rammstein concert is next month, August 27th. And I told my husband, I have said this out loud multiple times. I have looked him dead in the fucking face and have been like, babe, if you get a motherfucking attitude or if you are sick or you had a bad day or you are cranky or you are on your period i don't give a fuck what is happening to you that day if you do not get your ass to this concert i am going alone mark my words i will be at the rammstein show in the mosh pit by myself in a slutty skimpy black leather outfit having a good time without you. And I think saying that put the fear of God into him because he knows I'm serious and he knows I'm legit. And isn't it every man's worst nightmare having their girl go off into the world in a sexy, provocative outfit and having other dudes stare at her? That is, I would say, most men's fear. Okay, is having their girl being stolen or having fun with another guy because she's going to get hit on and she's going to get talked to and she's going to, you know, be the recipient of a lot of flirting. And that's what will happen if he chooses not to go and I go by myself. I'll have a good time no matter what. And that just shows you what an independent person you can be, is saying like, you don't want to go? Psh, no big deal. I will go myself and I will have a great time. That's all from me. Have a great day. I will talk to y'all soon. Bye.